Hello and welcome to the Home Assistant Podcast. My name is Phil. Joining me as usual, I've got Rohan. How's it going? Hey, good. How are you? And today we're very excited to welcome Rosemary Orchard to the podcast. Hello. Hi. Thanks for having me, you two. Do you want to actually do the ad read? Do you want to sing to your fellow podcast? Do you just want to ad read? Uh, I, I don't have the text. If somebody supplies me with the text, I can do the text. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Oh, why not? Yeah. I mean, I love Nabucasa. <laughs> this episode is sponsored by Home Assistant Cloud by Nabucasa. Easily access your local Home Assistant instance remotely for a small monthly fee that supports the Home Assistant and ESP Home projects. Configuration is done via the user interface, so there's no fiddling with YouTube settings, SSL certificates, or any YAML. Perfect. There you go. Well, so fellow Home Assistant creator has joined the podcast today. So welcome. Thank you for doing the ad read. Um, always good to have that done for us. Um, so Rose, uh, I guess some people know you from, you've got a few different podcasts around. Um, you've just started getting yourself into Home Assistant. Maybe uh, give us a little bit of background on yourself and then maybe we can start with uh, way, how you got into home automation and, and how you come here today to be on the podcast. Yeah. So um I'm uh, a software developer nowadays. I actually did my degree in languages and spent some time wandering the world. And I started, um, well, I switched to being a software developer while I was living in Austria. And that's where I really started my home automation journey as well. Um, and I got a lot more into tech there and and just generally automating things, um, especially with um the app for iOS originally called Workflow, which is now shortcuts and built into the operating system. And that was one of the things that I, I used to learn about how to follow the logic patterns. If you start with this and you transform it and you take these little bits here and then you put them into that and bam, you end up with something really, really cool or something spectacularly broken, <laughs> depending on how well or badly you've done it. And yeah, I just was really excited by the idea of HomeKit and being able to control stuff from my iPhone and have things happen automatically. So I started probably the way a lot of people do with some Hue light bulbs. Um, and um, it was great the for me drug. because I, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I, it was great for me. I had like HomeKit automation set up so that when I got home, lights would turn on if it was dark and stuff like that. Or if I was at home and it, the sun was going down, then it would turn on the lights. But I set all that up in HomeKit. And of course, the other person was using an Android. So that didn't work so well. Um, and oh. Yeah, yeah. I tried setting up Home Assistant, but I did not read the instructions well, or I did because I set up Supervised. <laughs> um, and I, I have to say, I I had no idea what I was doing. Um, I set up Supervised, um, and it worked um, for controlling things, as in like showing stuff up. But I didn't really know what I was doing, sure. and so I never bothered to set up the automations and stuff, and kind of just left it there as a dashboard and forgot about it for a while. <laughs> um, and then. I moved back to the UK and right. yeah, just wanted to start doing a lot more things. Um, so I, I bought some smart door locks um, and they're Yale ones. And we didn't have at that point a Yale HomeKit hub here in the UK. Um, and so mm. I thought, well, how can I get them in? Googled. And of course, the answer that came back was Home Assistant and the Z-Wave stick. And I was like, yeah. okay. I can figure this out. Like, I'll do this. So I got another Raspberry Pi. At that point, you could still buy them relatively easily. Threw Home Assistant OS on there, mm. bought a Zep Wave stick, read the um, guides that people have put up saying, you know, use an extension lead because that way you're avoiding interference. I think that's yeah. more for Zigbee, but I did it for Z-Wave as well and set it up and shared my logs back to HomeKit and it worked. And that was kind of it. And I was like, okay, this is cool. Um, and then I just started finding more and more things. It's like, I can't do this in HomeKit. But I could do this in Home Assistant. I guess I'll just do it in Home Assistant then. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I had the pain point of but, getting switching from all the HomeKit hubs, like the Akara hub, the IKEA hub and stuff, onto Zigbee directly in Home Assistant. Right. But fortunately, that's done now. I think that's one of the powerful things when it comes to Home Assistant as well, being able to do the two-way HomeKit. Yeah. I know yeah. um, when... I always assumed that, you know, HomeKit was just, all right, we'll just pull in the HomeKit devices. But being able to act as a HomeKit device or, or controller as well on the network and then being able to share it down to iOS devices just makes it so that, yeah, your Home Assistant does become that HomeKit bridge for everything, right? Um, and so, yeah, it yeah. unlocks other ecosystems into the Apple land that previously weren't available. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And, yeah. and I mean, it's, it's, it's nice because it's available, but like how, how do you, I don't know, I'd love to uh, just because you did it all in HomeKit and you kind of redid it all in Home Assistant. 
how do you compare the two? Like I, I know Home Assistant can build on top of HomeKit, but how do you? Uh, I don't know, I don't know how to ask it properly, but it's essentially like when you do a apples to oranges, I guess contrast here. Yeah. What, what's 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 better? What works better, or what doesn't work better? Yeah. I mean. Like a, an easy comparison for me, and I say this without really watching either of them, is HomeKit is NASCAR, Home Assistant is Formula One. Like they, they it's just got <laughs> that much more power and everything. But equally, like there's the team of people helping you keep everything going, and that's the community. Um, now, Home Assistant of uh, HomeKit, of course, has a, a community as well. It's just there's not so many people out there building yeah. things for it, and so on. There's there's Homebridge and people building plugins for Homebridge and so on. But it it just doesn't yeah. feel the same. I've never like fell into the, a HomeKit forum with a HomeKit Discord like there is for Home Assistant. And for me, like HomeKit looks really pretty and simple and easy to set up. But if you are yeah. trying to do something complicated, and I'm using air quotes on complicated because to me, some of these things shouldn't be that mm -hmm. complicated, it gets really difficult. So a simple one is if my door is open, the, my door is right next to a heater, and it's open for more than a minute, turn off the heating. Like, I don't want the heating on. I don't want to be heating the universe. Um, you know, that's not good for the mm -hmm. environment. That's not good for my electricity bill, especially right now. Um, and so, you know, I wanted to be able to turn off my heater if my door was open for more than a minute. Well, I couldn't do that yeah. in HomeKit. Like, it, there's no, this thing was in this state for this amount of time. Home Assistant, you pop open yeah. the automations UI, or you can do this in YAML if you if you prefer, and you can just say, "Hey, is this state for this period of time?" and that's it. And then yeah. and then the rest of the automation, yeah. and it's very simple to do that. Um, but equally, you know, you have to go through and set things up, and you've suddenly got, "Oh my gosh, mm -hmm. all of these sensors and entities from this device, like." Why, why do I want like the current voltage yeah. from this plug? I just thought it was a smart plug. I just wanted to turn this on and off or whatever it is. And, you know, so it can be a little <laughs> bit overwhelming with, oh my gosh, there's so much information, but you can put on like yeah. sort of blinkers like a horse and just ignore everything else that you don't need right now and just focus on that little bit and remember the rest later yeah. if you want to. Yeah. And that's a lot of building your own dashboards and stuff like that as well, right? That helps with a lot of that. So definitely. No, that's definitely. amazing. Yeah. Just on that, are you a YAML or a UI sort of person when it comes to building out your automations? <laughs> I wanted to know that too. Yes. Yes. Uh, I'm both. Um, nice. So I tend to start in the UI just because it's mm. really easy to avoid making mistakes. Um, and yeah. I mean, there is no perfect text format for these things. They could have picked JSON, they could pick YAML, they could pick TOML, they could pick plain text, but all of them are going to be pernickety in one way or another. You missed a closing bracket yeah. here, you've accidentally used a tab instead of a space there. Um, and so I, I tend to start in the UI because a lot of the time I can just accomplish what I want there. But equally, if I want to rearrange some actions um, or something, then yeah. I will just click three dots in the top right, switch it to YAML and go. And you know that works brilliantly. Um, I'm really pleased that it's so easy to use both options because that that was something that I had read that sort of maybe YAML was going away or something. And, you know, I'd, I'd read that and I was like, oh, no, like I, I like having plain text. Like I can put it in GitHub mm. um, so that I can, yes. you know, yeah, find absolutely. everything and search. Yeah. Other people have got things in GitHub so I can just copy and paste and copying and pasting from a screenshot just it doesn't work. Um, and also it's just nice to be able to literally copy mm -hmm. and paste and just mm -hmm. replace the IDs of something and, and go from there. But yeah, so I, I use both. Um, and I've got a lot of things configured through YAML, like lots of um, sensors, um, like platform sensors and template sensors and stuff like that, which certainly make my life easier. I was stalking your GitHub repo with your uh, Home Assistant config up there and yet same thing like i can just see so many similarities mm -hmm. um with like my configuration well. like you've got a whole bunch of template sensors you've got binary sensors that do this um i've actually got some cool things that i um like one of them you were using i think uh, a binary sensor to dictate like once like a lower threshold once it's like dark enough in a room then the lights yeah. will turn on on so I'm going to pinch that from your config. I thought that was uh, very <laughs> so cool. So that's um, actually in there because I'm foolish enough to run the beta. Not foolish. No, 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 no. I, I only run beta. Same. Well, I mean, 
I, I, I love the beta and honestly, like the, the developers um, for Home Assistant are super responsive. Um, but I had, so they've recently added all yeah. these amazing helpers to the UI, um, which I have to say, such a great idea because so many more people are going to go and try these things out. Um, and you'll be able to do things like hmm. easily create an input Boolean, share it to HomeKit and have that turn on when you get home and turn off when you leave. So that's easy presence detection for people who don't want to use the iOS app, for example. Um, mm. But I set up the threshold sensor actually for the first time using um, uh, the UI. That's how I did it. And then suddenly I realized every time I walked into a room, even in like the middle of the day, my lights were turning on. And I was like, something's not right here. And so I set up that the same um, sensor in, in YAML just to see. And it turned out that the UI version at that point, uh, I don't quite know how, but the UI version at that point got broken and the YAML version worked wow. perfectly. So I switched it to, to YAML and it was working perfectly. And then, of course, you know, the, the next beta release is like three hours later and everything's fixed again. It's like, okay, well, you know, yeah, I right, needed a right, GitHub right. issue for, for no reason. But if, if it had continued, then obviously they would have had that information to track it. But yeah, yeah. so those, that, that, that to me was just something that was like, this is really sensible because I have different thresholds for each room because each room has a different aspect and so on. So I can yeah. tell if it's dark and then I combine it with, you know, like the sun being down or a certain time of day. Like if it's after 10 p.m. and before 7 a.m., please just consider that dark. I don't care what, where, mm. like what. Act All right. So are you going from like, so you obviously started with HomeKit and then moved into Home Assistant. Are you slowly moving away and trying to deleverage yourself from HomeKit or are you still trying to keep HomeKit as a base for everything and then a home home assistant is just the i guess the brains behind it or what, what's your reasoning when you when you come to get a new device are you home kit only or do you prefer to try and move away from home kit what's your status like um like i wasted a lot of money buying home kit compatible devices because it had to be home kit compatible like if you just look yeah, at something yep. like the meros smart plugs and you buy the non-home kit compatible ones they are way cheaper than the HomeKit compatible yeah. ones. Like there is that that extra price. Um, there is a perk, of course, you get local network control, which as I'm sure most Home Assistant users are aware is, you know, yeah. the thing you, that you want. You want things to work without the internet. Thank you very much. Um, mm. But nowadays, like if I'm buying something, it's, can I get this into Home Assistant somehow? Cool, great, perfect, buying that one. And then I'll figure it out later. So I recently splurged on uh, a new uh, robot vacuum I got the Ecovex D-Bot um, X1 Omni Turbo, which it has like Ooh. a garage with a car wash in it. So it like yeah. sucks the dust out of the vacuum. It washes the mop heads and dries them and stuff. And it's got mapping. And my requirement was, can I get this into Home Assistant? Now, I actually did make a pretty big mistake. I just checked whether or not there was an Ecovex integration. And there was. And it said it works with the robot vacuums. And I was like, great. Turns out it doesn't Perfect. work with right. my model. But there is a hex Oops. plugin that does. So it's all fine. Okay. Um, I could have returned it to Amazon if there had been a problem. But honestly, um, I've never been so excited by dirty water. Um, like after it had mopped my <laughs> kitchen floor, I thought my kitchen floor was clean. And then it was like, no, my kitchen floor was really not clean. Okay. <laughs> Good yeah. to know. You can just run every day now. Thank yeah. you very much. You can deal with this for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, is that so, a so, yeah. local control integration or is it... Uh, I believe cloud. that is actually, unfortunately, using the cloud. That said, um, oh. I have been playing with Charles Proxy and stuff to see um, if I can figure out local network control. And I may be able to do that. I'm upgrading yeah. my network right now to Ubiquity. So I will be able to set up like full firewall controls and like redirect things to local um, mm. like devices or installs of something if I want or need to, which should be pretty cool. But going back to the original question, yeah, my plan, like my aim is get everything into Home Assistant. If I want to be able to like talk to it or like control it manually, then I'll share it back into HomeKit. But other than that, it just lives in Home yeah. Assistant and I'm very happy having everything in Home Assistant. Um, and I just, I share back the things like my locks. So like I can then talk to my Apple Watch and say, hey, open this lock or open that lock. Or um, I've recently set up yeah. um, uh, a garage. I don't have a garage. I live in an apartment. Um, there, there is no garage, but the garage is essentially mm -hmm. to try and get my my front door into um, CarPlay. So when I get home, I can tap the button to open the garage, get out the car, and just open walk it. into the house without, um, you know, without having to talk to my watch separately or anything. That's interesting. So to unlock a door through the CarPlay, you have to use a like garage. A, a garage device. 
Interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That does make sense, so, just because yeah, again, yeah. otherwise it won't because it's lo- registered mm-hmm. as a lock, right? So you sh- you yes. normally would need a code or something of that sort to have it open. So essentially, you have a hack around it, right? It's essentially. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I actually have, um, it calls a, a script, which actually waits a minute and then unlocks uh, the doors, um, just because that gives me time to get out of the car and grab my bag and everything else and walk over mm-hmm. from, from my parking place to the door. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's uh, one of those things that's just, I did not realize that I could do that until I was just browsing around on the Home Assistant docs and went, I could create a garage. Why has this not occurred to me before that I could like I don't have yeah. to have a garage with a garage door opener. I can just make one. Um, and, yeah. you know, it's it's kind of like the generic thermostat or the generic humidistat. Like you just combine devices yeah. and put them together and it yep. tell HomeKit it's whatever you want it to be. And I think that that's one of the most yeah. powerful things of Home Assistant. It's funny. At, at some point, I'd actually done the exact opposite where my uh, well, not exact opposite, but my, my garage door was essentially a switch. Right, because uh, at the time, I think uh, the Amazon Echoes didn't properly have an integration for covers. Uh, right, and uh, or or it, it, I forget exactly what it was. Maybe maybe you needed a pin. There's there's a couple of you things couldn't there. open them or close them or something like they had a restriction. Yeah, like you couldn't open way. it or something like that. So essentially, I made a switch with an automation to say, "Hey, go go!" Uh, like so, I have to say, "Turn on the garage door" rather than open it, but. You know, it's it's just something that I got used to saying, and then turn off or close it. And but same thing, right? It's like sometimes it's you got to work within you know whatever parameters. It's it's a little odd, but yeah. if it works, yeah. it works. Yeah, maybe. precisely. And I think that's one of the things where maybe you don't take the most direct route, but you take a, a route that gets you where you want to go. Um, and the 100%. really important part is remembering what the problem is that you want to solve, not necessarily how you need how you are planning on solving it. So how did you how did how did you basically get in here? Um, like what, what what got you to this point? Um, what was the original problem you were trying to solve? Let's start with that. Um, I'm blaming uh, me using Home Assistant partially on Yale for my locks and partially on Phil because he created a blog post which I followed heavily and use all the time for um, <laughs> dishwasher and washing machine notifications. And I have extended that as well to to my tumble dryer because I have a tumble dryer in, here in the UK. They just all use the same plug. Mm. Um, mm. And so, so the Yale locks, uh, I couldn't get them into HomeKit through Yale directly. I think Command 4 have got an option where I could have done that, but it's pretty pricey. And the, the Z-Wave modules were like £30. Um, and I was able to get right. a Z-Wave stick really cheaply um, on eBay. I think I got it for £30 or something because the guy had bought it and it was one that had to be plugged into an extension rather than could be plugged in directly and i thought like i don't want it like i don't want it like right next to the machine i want to put the actual dongle somewhere that makes sense anyway sure thanks i'll take the discount um and so that that started you know some things and i was like okay cool well that was easy you know i set up my locks um i used zwave js fortunately i didn't use the original zwave and have to migrate but I understand that the documentation on that was pretty good. So there shouldn't have been a problem for most people. But um, yeah, so I did that. And then I had been trying. So I'd actually found Phil's post quite a bit earlier. And I had been trying using Eve Energy Monitors and HomeKit to monitor the power usage of my mm. tumble dryer and dishwasher. Um, but uh, the tumble dryer in particular kept tripping the Eve Energy switch. And I'd have to like go in there and like press the button on it to fix it or something. Um and right. that just didn't feel good. Um, and then in the Home Assistant forum, I read somebody was using, I think it was a TP-Link HS110 uh, smart plugs with energy monitoring in the UK for their uh, washing machine and their tumble dryer. And I thought, well, if these people are using this, then that's a pretty good sign. Um, and um, I think they've got 16 amp fuses in, um, which is pretty good. So I got those. Um, and pick them up off ebay i haven't updated them because of course tp link have pulled all their local controls which is not great um but yeah Yeah. and so i did that followed phil's guide and went this is actually pretty cool what else can i do so thanks phil it's your fault that i'm here (laughs) but i appreciate it you're welcome (laughs) (laughs) um how's just as a uh, how's your hs 110 is going are they still running 
Okay. Yeah, or... yeah, they're pretty good. Um, I picked, um, I got three of them in the end. I picked them up off of eBay. So I have one on my washing machine, nice. one on my tumble dryer, and one on my 3D printer. Um, and they work really yep. well. I've had no problems with them. Um, and this is one of the great things about Home Assistant. I don't share those in HomeKit. So if I accidentally say, hey, Apple lady, turn everything off, she's not going to turn off my washing machine or uh, my tumble dryer or 3D right, printer yeah, right. mid-cycle because... That's the last thing you want yeah. happening, right? Especially Absolutely. a washing machine mid-cycle. That, that could be difficult to recover from. I have one like TP-Link smart switch on my dishwasher. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe like in the past, I don't know, three months, it's just stops, like randomly disconnects from the Wi-Fi. Uh, oh. Of course, it's blocked from Wi-Fi. It can't get any firmware updates. Um, yeah. So now I'm looking for another energy monitoring replacement smart switch for, for that. So mm. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I'm... If I had to do something different, I'd probably go with a Zigbee one, um, just because there are so many more Zigbee options out there. And of course, then yeah. I don't Interesting. have to, yeah. you know, worry about somebody killing local access because you can't kill local access yeah. with Zigbee because how else yeah. are you going to be able to talk to it? Um, which is pretty good. Yeah. So strange. I've got some Z-Wave ones, um, and it depends on like the brand of the Z-Wave one, right? Like sometimes they'll do energy monitoring this way, other times I'll do it that way. Um, and Zigbee, mm. I don't know, down here in Australia, it's really hard to find like a, a smart switch um, that can do energy monitoring as good as like a, a Z-Wave smart switch can. So, yeah, it's mm. it's annoying. Yeah. 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 I don't, and I definitely don't want to go Wi-Fi. I want to avoid that as mm. much as I can. Yeah. 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 I think I think yeah. I'm at that point too where it's like, do I really want to do Wi-Fi anymore? Let's just move mm. everything off of it, whatever, right? So. Rose, do you do yeah. you prefer do you have a preference of Zigbee or Z-Wave or Z-Wave, however you want to say it, um, and or or how do you delineate between? Hey, you know what? I think I'm going to look for a Zigbee version of this or something. Um, like I think my default generally is just Zigbee. Um, just Z-Wave tends to be a yeah. lot pricier. Um, uh, obviously mm-hmm. it has perks um, in that it's very tightly controlled as to how devices communicate and so on. So um, there's less um, open to interpretation-ness from yeah. uh, manufacturers and so on, which, as we all know, um, Zigbee devices, occasionally you'll get one and it'll report something and it'll be like, it'll turn up and it'll be say, hey, I'm a light bulb. And you're like, no, you're a smart plug. What are you? Like, what's yeah. going on here? Um, <laughs> Go home, you're drunk. You know, yeah, yeah, very drunk. Yeah. Um, and then one of the other devices will be, hold my beer, I've, I've, I can do that. Um, it's like, no, stop, stop. This is not... It's not a game. Yeah. Stop stop being silly. <laughs> um, but honestly, I, I stick with Zigbee just because it's a lot cheaper and there's a lot of options out there. Yeah. Um, you know, I have um, a, quite a few sets of SwitchBot curtain controllers um, and they do, they do two. Mm-hmm. They do sort of like the ones that pop in the rail and they do the ones that clamp over the rail. Um, and so I, I bought those because I wanted curtains to open and close automatically. I already had Ikea blinds, which of course is Zigbee. Um, and oh my God, yeah. I hate Bluetooth um, so much. I, Thread mm-hmm. obviously is going to be better, yeah. but I, I guess it's the way that this building is constructed because I'm sitting in my office right now and my office can't be more than like five meters from the router, but my Wi-Fi connection here is terrible unless I have a secondary access point. And that seems to also affect Bluetooth as well. Zigbee, I'm not having the problem because I've just got all the Zigbee devices everywhere and they've built a beautiful mesh and that, you know, just solves that problem. Um, So I I will be avoiding those um, and the Bluetooth devices. I'm going to have to dive into ESP Home. I have some ESPs um, ready um, to flash with firmware so I can try that out. But generally, I'm going to be looking at at Zigbee just because it's cheaper. There's so many options. And honestly, Akara seems to be doing a really great job. I just got some Akara curtain bots um, to replace um, some some switch bot ones in the living room because my curtains were too heavy. And they are really good, like really, really good. I'm really impressed with them. Are they Zigbee as well or are they Wi-Fi? Yes, yeah, they're Zigbee ones, um, which is really great. Um, they, they work really well. Yeah, yeah, that's good to know. Yeah, I've actually got some like Zemi Smart blind motors um, for the blinds around my house uh, recently, and they've been fantastic. Um, and they're Zigbee as well, so local control. But yeah, yeah. I think there is a, a project at some point to put blinds in a room. And if, yeah, if I can find a replacement for those, that'd be yeah, brilliant. So I'll have to put them on my list. Uh, Akara, I've got like the, um, a, I think it's called a roller shade driver, um, which, you know, you can put like mm-hmm. a chain into. It doesn't technically work with a cord. I have found, however, if you wrap a rubber band around like the, 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 um, oh, yeah. the, 
the the circular uh, driver part, then it works brilliantly mm -hmm. with a cord. I've had no problems with that. So I've got two because I've got vertical blinds that open and close horizontally, and then they also tilt. Um, and of course, it's yeah. the tilt that uses the chain and the other one uses a cord. So yeah. I've, I've got that. And then I've got like their curtain motors, which sit on the rail and pull curtains open and closed in that room as well. So I have three controllers for window sheets in that room, um, but it works. So, you know, um, hey. and it's all Zigbee and, you know, I'll take it. Yeah, I, I, just, I find that window controllers for or like blind motors, whatever you want to call them, like for for what they are, they are very expensive. Right. For um, just the fact that it's it's typically a motor and a battery. Right. And uh, so hopefully the Aquara ones are a little better. But I know a lot of the ones uh, that, that I was looking at and even even, you know, there's a few chats uh, I've had in just different like rooms and stuff where people are like, yeah, you know, I'm looking at this, blah, blah, blah. And you click it and it's like, OK, you're looking at one hundred and fifty, one hundred and eighty dollars per blind. Right. Times like yeah. so in my in my front office, which is which is where I am, I've got three blinds right next to me. Right. And I was like. All right, that's a that's a lot of money, right? And and especially when you're looking like Venetian blind style, so yeah. you've got the yeah. you've got the twist uh, stick thing, yeah. and and you've got a cord, right? And uh, it 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 starts to get very pricey, right? And you're just yeah. like, okay, yeah. I'll just I'll just use my hands, <laughs> and pull, yeah, so. and especially. Yeah, you know, curtains, if you have, you know, a set of curtains that close in the middle and mm -hmm. open to the sides, that's two controllers. That's not one controller. Yeah, um, yeah. And there are some th people doing some great things um, with 3D printers and motors and um, like an yeah. ESP or uh, some kind of Zigbee module and stuff. And that's great. But that means that you need to have a yeah. makerspace nearby or a 3D printer. And at that point, well, a 3D printer is more of like it, it's not it's not just a printer it's a hobby with which you you set up and maintain your printer which can produce other things yeah. which are part of your other hobby which is home automation it's great if you've got like a light bulb where yeah. like it you the only light bulb you can get is like a candle one that sticks out the top you can replace like the housing on it i did that for my parents yeah. recently um but then nice. you know like, i have a 3d printer and I'd, i've had to buy one if i wanted to do it otherwise which is just not great yeah. Well, and, and the challenge with that too is like part two of that is how do you make that like, if it's going to be exposed, how do you make it look good? Right. And, and that's the yeah. other challenge. Right? And, and don't get me wrong. There's some, there's some people out there that have 3d printer designs that are just gorgeous, but yeah, I know for a fact that I'm not one of those people. So it's well, uh, yeah. you're going to have and a box stuck in the side of my quality. window somewhere. Right. And, well, that yeah. too. Yeah. That your too. print quality has got to be great. Um, and you're going to have to have the filament in the right color and everything and not have a print failure yeah. in the middle of it. And, you know, like the, the problem is like you have to build the whole device. At that point, yeah. you're essentially becoming a mini hardware manufacturer and a software developer because you use an ESP. You're going to have to make sure that that ESP is flashed with whatever is right. And if you get it wrong, that's yeah. up to you and you're going to have to figure out how to fix it. And it's it's a lot yeah. of work. Um, and blind controllers are pretty expensive. Fortunately, Prime Day is coming up, so I'm hoping that the Akara stuff is going to be going on sale there um, because yeah. it often does. But honestly, I usually get my Akara stuff on AliExpress because it's a lot cheaper. And a lot of the sellers sure. have got 10-day shipping anyway. Nice. Yeah, that, anything to Canada from AliExpress, typically I find is like you're looking at about a month, month and a half to get here. But I don't yeah. know. Yeah. yeah, it's one of those things. I'm fortunate living in the UK. <laughs> yeah that is that you're you're, you're kind of in the middle of, of everything right so people got to pass by you yep, anyways yep. so yeah, which is yeah. Great. may as well drop it off on the way just chuck out the plane window that's it little parachute on it, <laughs> that's just right. just push it out and off you go that's right yeah. St stick a stick a picture of your of your face on it and stick a stick your name on it and be like this is for rose go <laughs> yeah 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 somebody will figure it out that's right that's right so so where are you where are you now in this in this home automation journey like are you comfortable are you like you're like okay i've got a couple of things to go or is it like are you at the point where you're like i gotta refactor everything and redo everything or <laughs> uh well uh i i feel like I, i'm pretty far along from where i want to be um yeah. you know i've got it set up with um room occupancy so my my setup is mm -hmm. pretty good at figuring out what room i'm in right now and so it's currently saying my office um which is great so it's gonna you know if any lights were on in other rooms for me yeah. it's you know three o'clock in the afternoon so there there shouldn't be but if lights were on in other rooms they turn off and stuff and if i go sit in the living room and i'm there for a couple of minutes it'll be like okay well I'll turn off the lights in the office and stuff that's pretty great right. but i'm i'm at the point where i'm 
continually finding new things to do. And also there are some things I just want to improve. Um, so uh, one of sure. these, and this has come up especially recently because of the um, uh, upgrade to Python 3.10 um, with Home Assistant is the MiFlora um, integration. Mm. Of course, the, the Bluetooth um, yeah. things aren't working. And so this is like, well, I've had these and I've been looking at like, I've, I've just got an iOS app called Wallflower that I've just been like opening on my phone and going, okay, well, I need to deal with this in this room and so on. But this, yeah. I think, is going to push me to, because I, I wasn't going to get the Bluetooth from the kitchen in here anyway. I was going to have to do something um, to figure that out. So yeah. I think it's going to push me into ESP Home and figuring out that sort of thing because there's just so many other yeah. great things that I can do. And it will allow me to have local control over my switchbot curtains, which are also Bluetooth. And I could use via Bluetooth, yeah. but I'm currently using the API via REST commands and sensors and stuff, which it works. But if I've not got internet for some reason, then none of it works. Yeah. And that's just frustrating and annoying. So I think ESP Home is definitely going to be like a big next step um, for me. And mm -hmm. also like figuring out scheduling stuff. So like my robot vacuum, like getting it to clean the house automatically, but it knows I'm going out later. So it's not going to do it during the day while I'm here. It will wait until I've left and then clean. Um, or it knows I'm not going out today. So it's going to clean everywhere except like half the hallway and my office mm -hmm. because I'm working. And yeah. then later when I finish working, it'll come in and just clean those areas or something like that. That's something I'd really like to figure out. I have no idea where to get started on that yet, but there's calendar stuff now, which is great. So... Hey everyone, I just wanted to take a minute to talk about the Eufy Video Lock. It's a smart lock that's really easy to set up with just a Phillips screwdriver and no extra drilling. It's got a keyless entry, so you don't need to worry about fumbling with the keys when your hands are full. Also, you don't need to worry about handing out extra keys when you're in a pinch, your kids losing them, or people copying the key and passing it around to each other. Something else I like about the Eufy Video Lock is that it has a camera built in and it works as a doorbell as well. Personally, I think the Eufy video lock is great for apartments or cottages where you can't necessarily add extra holes for a video doorbell. My favorite part about it though is that there isn't a monthly fee and your recordings are locally stored, so you don't have to worry about someone else owning your doorbell data. You can find it on Amazon, or if you want to know more, search Eufy video lock, that's E-U-F-Y video lock, or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Yeah, I was going to say, there's a lot of like Google Calendar integrations or, or whatever, right? So that might be a really cool yeah. start to say, hey, you know what? At this point, I'm not home, so go do your thing, right? Yeah. Or, yeah. or I am yeah. and don't. So We had someone earlier on this year um, that wanted to do like uh, to tell the vacuum cleaner which room to clean. So mm -hmm. by the night, he mm -hmm. would have like um, NFC tags around in every room. So he would go, okay, this room's good. Tap it with his phone. And then once everyone had left, it would go, okay, which NFC tags were scanned? Go and clean those rooms yeah. Um, yeah. and only those yeah. rooms. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm going to end up working on a default opt-in rather than an opt-out um, yep. because I, I think my assumption I would like to be that every room is good for cleaning um, and then, um, you know, take out the things that I shouldn't be cleaning for whatever reason. Um, because, for example, you know, if I'm in my office and I'm working, the, the vacuum is just distracting. Um, but mm -hmm. if I'm in a meeting, then it's actually like, well, actually the whole house should be excluded just because it will be distracting and it might come through, yeah. you know, while I'm talking mm. to other people. Like, I don't think they'll care. It's just more like it's bothering me that I can hear it and it's distracting me and they'll also be hearing it and distract and potentially being distracted themselves, um, which, you know, so I need to figure that out. But there's a that noisy? great stuff in the forum. It's not that noisy. No, it's just that I get distracted very easily. Um, it's yeah. always like <laughs> things. What what is this doing? Like, oh look, isn't it cute? You know, as I said, I've never been it's so like when excited. The blinds in my house water. go up and down. Oh, gotta watch the blinds. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's funny, especially you got that honeymoon phase, right? Of like, oh, I just got this device. It's so cool. Look at it go and like, whatever. And then, yeah. and then after after a year, you're like kicking it, but like, all right, go. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah.
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like to me, I now walk into a room and I just expect the lights to turn on automatically if I consider it dark. Yeah. Um, and I had to go uh, do something in my parents' place while they were away a while ago. And I walked into the kitchen and I was like, why is it dark in here? And I was like, oh, right. <laughs> this is not my house. That's why it's dark in here. I have to go use a light switch yeah. like in person. Like, oh my gosh, how do I live like this? Uh, it was fine. <laughs> um, and then I forgot to turn off the light when leaving. So I had to go back and turn off the light and it's fine. I figured it out in the end. Um, it was just one of those things that like, I, I didn't realize until that moment how little I think about so many of these automations that I have set up now because they just work. Yeah. And it's really cool mm. when you get to that point where you're in the flow of it just works. And then you find other things that bug you. And so, you know, you break everything and cause yourself lots of angst trying to solve that problem, um, perhaps by over-engineering it. And then you end up with a really cool solution. So random question for all of you. What, how are you tracking the ideas you want to do for home automation? Like if you're sitting on the couch and you're like, damn, that's a really cool idea. Where does it go? Do you just hope to remember it when you wake up in the morning? Do you have a, a, a list in your iPhone somewhere that you're writing it down? Like where's everyone writing these things? For me, uh, my solution to this is usually I'll just do it now, um, which is maybe not the best idea because it sometimes leads to some very late nights. Um, but um, usually it's a I'll just do it now for anything where I can look at it and go, oh, actually, I think like this is going to take a bit longer, like the ESP home things. Um, I have a project mm -hmm. in OmniFocus, the task manager that I use of just like home assistant stuff. Uh, to do. Um, and it's got things in there like the uh, Miflora Bluetooth scanner from ESP Home is in there. Um, a Divoom integration, which is like a it's, um, LED uh, board display, um, like a, a yeah. grid pattern one, which you can light up with different things. I'd like to do something with that as well. Um, I've got two of those. And so I've, I've got all sorts in there. Um, and some stuff I'm sure is just somebody posted this in the home system discord and i mean never do it but i i saw it and went oh that's kind of cool i'll just give it a go um but yeah, yeah it's yeah. usually if it's yeah. small i'll just do it now uh if it's bigger then i'll i'll, um, I'll write it right in my project list and hopefully come back to it in not too distant future <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you this the the esp home uh me flora piece is actually stupid easy like like it is yeah. You literally just fill out the YAML with like the couple of things you need and just say, hey, here's my wireless and the rest of it just works. It's actually yeah. kind of magical. Yeah. Um, yeah. The only reason I haven't done it yet is because I'm I'm, I'm just about to switch Wi-Fi networks from Eero to Ubiquiti. And also I'm yeah. not 100% certain which of my uh, plant sensors are where I need to like take one for a walk and check that yeah. that 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 mac address <laughs> follows me and then like repeat yeah. with, the, with the other ones just to make sure that i've actually got the right ones assigned to the right plants because i don't think that my orchid is actually an orchid right now i think it's the peacefully and <laughs> I, I would like to get that set up correctly <laughs> yeah when, when i when i did that what i found helped is so i, I just brought all of them over and uh, essentially, mm -hmm. like, so I just had it all on my table on remove the battery of off of all of them and then just pop one in. And then yeah. you see a discovery in the SP home. You're like, OK, so, you know, ABC one, two, three, that's the palm yeah. or like like whatever. Right. And, and you do it that way. So it's uh, it, it's it's actually a lot less involved than you realize it is. It, it sounds like it's pretty yeah. like involved. It's really not like it's it's pretty good. No, no, I just um, need to actually do it and move um, and get up and pick up the sensors and, and actually do that. Yeah, and yeah, Possibly yeah. this is, label makers are honestly one of the greatest inventions when it comes to home automation because I have labeled all of the things. So if I take off like my switchbot curtains for charging, then I don't accidentally put yeah. the left up where the right should have been and vice versa. Like, yeah. So I'll just, you know, do that, label them so I know which one is which and then that should be it hopefully. Yeah, at one point I did the same with the Miflora sensor. So I just put labels inside. I just so because otherwise mm -hmm. they're kind of ugly. If it's, or I guess you could put it back behind yeah. it, whatever. But like it's, I put it inside the tab, so it's a thing. But then they all started falling out, and it was just like, all right, cool. That didn't that didn't work. But if you have a, if you have a good solution, or, or I guess if you put it outside, and yeah, well that's it too, right? Yeah, Sharpie on the inside but, of it, just right in a Sharpie on the inside. Yeah. That's yeah, that's that not a bad work. idea actually. I, I don't know why I didn't think of that. <laughs> Sometimes uh, the best solution is just Sharpie. <laughs> yeah, just I don't, I, I don't disagree there. Yeah, <laughs> or do whatever. No kidding. Don't don't do that. Um, from my side, it's it's usually it's usually just I end up putting it up here and and leaving it in my head and uh, forget about it. But a lot of times I do also. Well, I also have the way of mentioning it on the podcast and then and then Phil grills me about it once every two weeks. So 
<laughs> there's that. I'm your reminder. That's right. Uh, but other than that, I do. I, I actually at one point set up a whole like Jira, like just so I can say, hey, here's track my issues and whatever. And then that just got annoying. And I was just like, I, I just don't do this anymore. <laughs> Yeah, currently, currently, I'm I just have like a little Notion, uh, I don't know, page open with like, hey, I should do this. So that that's where I'm at right now. But yeah, we'll I was going to say like, since you got me onto Notion, like, uh, that's where I I used to use OneNote because um, I was you know paying for Microsoft Office, may as well yeah dump everything in there. Um, so then yeah, I put um everything like I think you got me onto Notion. I've started like trying to put some form of database list around it, you know put it into rooms and mm-hmm. tag it with this and that. But yeah, I think it's, I've got a mishmash. Sometimes I'll have WhatsApp messages to my wife. Oh, this would be cool to automate. Like, and then I can yeah. never find it again. Right. So um, yeah. yeah, I think that's the, the challenge I need to solve. Like just how I can document my smart home a little bit better. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. That's certainly a challenge, you know, when, when something starts turning the lights on and off um, and, you know, you, you go to the logbook and it just says lights turned on. You're like, okay, what did I do? Like what, what integration did I recently install that is causing my lights to seemingly randomly turn on? My, my recent culprit was uh, I installed adaptive lighting, um, which is such a great integration. And I just didn't configure it. I just put like the key in uh, the config file, oh, no. such a mistake, um, because it then oh, started yeah. turning on all my lights automatically. It was like, okay, cool idea. Maybe I should have actually read the guide <laughs> first instead of just go, I'll throw the key in. Like, how bad can this be? Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. It turned all my lights pretty, on pretty for bad, like apparently. a day and a half until I realized what it was. Um, and then then I, then I figured it out, but still, it was uh, an interesting day and a half. That's funny. <laughs> so what are you using for presence detection in Homeison? It's one of our go-to questions we have to ask all our guests um usually everyone has a, a unique way to do it i'm assuming for you there must be some home kit slash ios involved but have you got what's your unique take on it how do you manage well presence? i mean honestly i just use the home assistant app because it's just me so you know for me it's very easy mm-hmm. i only have one person to track um but what i will be doing i'm i'm going to be giving my parents the gift of home assistant in the not too distant future they have asked for smart Ooh, doorbells no. and cameras and stuff um, and yeah. I was like, okay, they, they don't want subscriptions, so they're going to be doing that. So for them, instead, I'm going to be exposing an input Boolean to home, uh, HomeKit and have it turn mm-hmm. on automatically when they arrive home and turn off when they leave um, with just a HomeKit automation that's specifically for when I arrive and when I leave um, rather than anyone arrives and everyone leaves. Right. Um, and I yeah. think that that is going to be the easiest way to solve that. Um I could give them direct access to Home Assistant, but I honestly think I'm probably not going to do that for quite a while. It's just going to be share everything to HomeKit and they'll have it in HomeKit and then they can't break yep. anything um, because, you know, it's it's my parents. Like my mom continually manages to turn off various settings in on her iPad and then says, <laughs> why isn't this working? It's like, well, you, you turned it off. That's why it's not working. So letting yeah. them loose with Home yeah. Assistant straight off the bat seems like a bad idea um but yeah, yeah I'll, I'll be just doing the input boolean with HomeKit trick for for now i think um for them because yeah, yeah. network detection their wi-fi is <laughs> <it's> pretty terrible <laughs> um so yeah i'm, I'm not going to try that I'll, I'll just stick with HomeKit. that's funny so that's interesting so if you were to just do an input boolean with HomeKit, would you need the home assistant app installed then like could you do it without yeah. having a home assistant installed yeah because um when you when you get home because you share that input boolean it'll just turn the input boolean on and then you know i, I guess i'll add that to the person in home assistant and then know that that is yep. you know that person being at home or mm-hmm. I, I might have to do a template sensor or something i haven't quite looked that far ahead yet i figure it won't take me that yep. long to figure out when i get there um but yeah that that my plan is just share an input boolean have it turned on and off and it'll be able to be manually turned on and off as well there's not a lot i can do about that but you know it, I, I don't think that that's going to be a problem um for yeah. just knowing that can, people are there or not can you can you hide it in in home again this is this is my lack of home knowledge but like can you can you have it and just so have it the best thing that you can do in home is like not have it as a favorite and then put it in a room called do not touch this or I will kill you or Got something it. like that. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the latter yeah, part of that, yeah, that yeah. name possibly being optional, depending on how good or bad yeah. your family and friends are at following instructions. Um, uh, you know, so, 
yeah, you can't completely hide it, unfortunately. But if it's not in okay. favorites um, and it's it's put in a separate room, um, then then it, it's probably not going to get um, you know seen sure. um, and, and played with. Um, so it's it's not perfect, but I don't think that there's any such thing as a perfect solution. It's just whether or not it works, no. um, and I'm pretty certain that's going to be a very lightweight way to make sure that it works. Um, like the, my parents don't want a smart alarm system or anything; they just want you yeah. know like temperature sensors and some cameras and a doorbell. Um, right. So thanks to Frank and his blog post on the two dollar doorbell, I'm going to be giving that a shot with some ESP Home as well. Um, nice. you know, I'm, I'm just adding whether or not they're there more as a curiosity to myself because it may be useful later rather than it's a requirement at the moment. Rohan, were you running an instance of home up at your parents' house at some point or were you running like a server? Um, I had a, I had a server just more just for my like lab labbing out stuff. Uh, not home assistant, but my parents do my, my dad's very dangerous in the sense that he likes technology, but he doesn't always understand it. Um, uh, yeah. so he'll go off to like wherever Costco or something like that and go buy like, I don't know, a hundred dollars or a couple hundred bucks worth of just like smart switches or this or that. And he's like, Hey, I want to do this. And I have no idea how, so you need to come do this for me. And I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> which, which fine to some extent. I was like, all right. But that, and then the constant upkeep of that is just like, so I basically went in and just normalized everything because they, they, they use Google home at home. So I just kind of mm-hmm. brought it all into Google home and be like, Hey, it's all here. If it stops working, don't call me. <laughs> like, yeah. So, uh, yeah. 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 But that, that's essentially what you're going to have to go familiar. through. Rose, so. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. No, my parents, so my parents, uh, this is for, uh, they, they have a, a place in France. Um, and so their, their place in the UK, I've just used HomeKit so far and they had a, an issue a while ago, their Akara temperature sensors stopped working. So I asked them to unplug the Akara hub and plug it back in again, please. They unplugged the IKEA hub and plugged it back in again. So I now have some smart yeah. USB switches. Um, I think they're Sonoff U-Links <laughs> uh, USB switches. So that if they message me that, hey, this thing isn't working, I can reboot the correct hub rather than yeah. <laughs> unplugging and plugging back in the wrong yeah. hub, which yeah. of course did exactly nothing except cause them to message me and say, the blinds aren't working. Oh, they're working again now. It's like, okay, well done. Well done. You've unplugged the wrong thing and plugged it back in. Um, yeah. So yeah, that was not surprising that didn't work yeah yeah it's but that's it right it's 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 like it's a lot of like labels it's a lot of like just that kind of stuff to be like okay here's what you're gonna do right and find the pink one go to the blue one like so it's uh you know that that's kind of a lot at least that that's my logic with with my parents right so it's yeah 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 that my plan of using home assistant is basically just because they will inevitably like they told me so they actually told me they wanted a doorbell a video doorbell um and then it turned out that they didn't want the doorbell they actually just wanted the camera unfortunately i'll be able to do that with just a cheap rio link power over ethernet camera um uh and i'm still gonna do frank's doorbell because i'm curious why not you know like it's an opportunity i'm taking a week off work i'll go have some fun um but um you know like they told me that they wanted a doorbell which it turned out was a camera and they want temperature sensors which thus far are still temperature sensors i'm pleased to report they've not suddenly (laughs) turned into vibration or flood sensors um you know i I don't think my akara stuff will morph um quite that easily um the door sensors could become a flood sensor either way um you know but inevitably they will want something else it's yeah. going to happen. It's just a question of when do they want it. Um, and they, they very much don't want subscriptions and so on. It's just sort of peace of sure. mind. You know, they'd like sort of time-lapse pictures of, you know, like what's going on um, with the land and everything. They've got uh, a little orchard with um, some cider apple trees in there. And it's just nice seeing nice. what happens. So, you know, it's it's, you know, they just want something cheap and simple. And honestly, Home Assistant does have the maintenance requirement, but... Yeah. Once it's set up and running, there's not really a lot to do. You know, I'll I'll set it up um, yeah. and and just remote into it. You know, once a month or so. You know, a couple of weeks after the new release drops, after I've already gone through the beta process and just yeah. updated and make sure that it's it's continuing to work and it should be fine. Um, so I, I don't anticipate any problems there um, that can't be overcome. It's just one of those things where it's I think probably actually the best option even if they won't know that they're running home assistant. Mm-hmm. Mm. 
Yeah. yeah. What do you, what would you do to remotely connect into their, uh, to their instance? Like, would you get like a Nabu subscription? Cause it, that kind of goes back into their subscription. Um, bit, yeah. Right? Yeah. So I, I would use a Nabu subscription for them. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, like it, it just ends up being one of those ongoing costs. Um, instead I bought them a domain name cause it's 10 bucks a year and I'll just use yep. Cloudflare and setting all of that up. Um, you know, I've done it for myself because I could, um, yeah. uh, and I should probably just switch to Nebucasa just to avoid any problems on my own system. Um, but sure. my parents have already been made very aware that they have a satellite internet connection that can't do everything. You know, if stuff goes down for a mm. while, it goes down for a while. You know, there's there's not a lot we can do other than yeah. hope for the best. So, yeah. 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 I, I think it'll be all right. So part, part, I guess, two that kind of just, I just thought of is like, so how are you, how are you accounting for, for that from an experience perspective, right? So from a, like in, in your design brain, like what, what are you doing to say, okay, well, you know, do I use switches instead of light bulbs? Because if they can't connect their app, whatever, fine, that might be an issue. Yeah, or like, yeah. is, are but, there things like that that you're considering and what are they? I mean, because right now they basically just, they want input rather than output. They want cameras, they want some temperature yeah. sensors and stuff. There's nothing to worry about with that. But when it comes to the inevitable, they would like some smart light bulbs or something. Uh, I will probably grab some of the uh, IKEA trad free ones and the mm -hmm. buttons um, and just bind those buttons directly to the bulbs um, because that way they will have local control over those devices um, yeah. automatically so that, you know, it, it, it just works Um and Zigbee binding, honestly, is just one of the greatest parts of it. Um, you mm -hmm. know, I've been trying to s set up my network. I managed to do it spectacularly wrong last night and spent this morning recovering from it. So I could be talking here now. Um, and when I woke up this morning, uh, I was able to still press the button by the side of my bed and have it, you know, turn on the lights yeah. and, and open the blind as it usually does, because I've done the binding with Zigbee for that to yeah. happen. And so that, that made it much less painful than it could have been it was still very annoying yeah. that you know my curtains then didn't automatically open because my internet was down but that that's on me and i'm i'm willing <laughs> to live with that i'm willing to live with a higher pain threshold than i will yeah. allow for my parents because you know this is me i've set it up if i break it you know i can live with it sure if i break it for them i'm gonna get an earful <laughs> yeah. yeah definitely yeah that's that's... So interesting. Why did you go, uh, or why have you chosen to go smart bulbs over switches? Is there any reasoning for that? Um, color temperature. Um, so mm -hmm. I have some color bulbs. I have some just white temperature bulbs, um, and and then uh, brightness and dimming um, for me are big. Uh, ones. So for example, if I'm in my living room um, and it's dark and I start watching TV, um, then it will dim the light bulbs automatically for me while media is playing. Mm. And then when I pause or it finishes, then it will bring the brightness back up. So it means that I'll still be able to, you know, see um, for anything that I want to do, but, um, you know, it's, it's not going to be really bright, which is, especially if I'm watching a film or something is quite cool because I've got the, uh, the Philips uh, TV with it. It's not the gradient strip. It's the one that's actually got the lights built into the back. So that nice. provides Ooh. some extra ambient lighting as well, which is mm, pretty fancy. cool. So yeah, those are pretty neat. Yeah. My TV died um, like a year ago and um, I, I was looking and I realized that getting the Philips one with the lights built into the back wasn't that much more. It was like 50 pounds more than just the same okay. size um, without that. So I was like, well, obviously I'm getting this then. Um, so <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and, and it works really well. It's, it's one of those, I guess it's the Ambilight ones or whatever. It. Uh... Yeah. Yeah. It's an Ambilight TV. Yeah. Yeah. I really wow. like it. I haven't, I, I think I used a hex plugin to get it into home assistant, but honestly, I, I don't actually use it through home assistant at all because it just comes on when the TV goes on and it goes off when the TV goes off. Um, so yeah. like I control the TV through the harmony hub and some home assistant to an extent. Um, right. but I, I don't really mess with the, with the, uh, gradient lighting just because it doesn't feel like there's a need to, um, yeah. but it's a pretty cool option. How does Home Assistant know when you're watching something on TV? Like, do you have, are you using like Plex or something for it to know, or is there another way? Yeah, yeah. So I've got a combination of things set up with a perhaps overly complex template sensor for this. Um, so the TV itself turning on, that's detected through the Harmony Hub, and that will close the blinds in the living room so that there's no glare um, on the TV mm. or you know, light shining in my eyes, um, mm -hmm. which is definitely you know part one, um, and then. Then 
Um, the other part is a combination of Plex um, and my Apple TV, which has a state of meteors playing um, yeah. or something like that. Um, so if it's Plex, obviously, it's very easy to detect because Plex has sensors built in. Simple. Um, but other than that, if I'm watching something through like Amazon Prime or something like that, then the Apple TV will still report that it's playing. And then I can use that yeah. um, to detect um, that the media is playing, which is cool. I've yet to do anything really like properly with um, my Nintendo Switch um, or the Nintendo Wii that I picked up in lockdown because got to be retro sometimes. But, um, <laughs> you know, I figure I'll, I'll like at the moment, whenever the harmony goes into those modes, it'll just dim the lights immediately. Um and so, you know, I when I play with those more, then I, I might do something better with that. But that said, the Wii, I probably ought to leave the lights on full just because otherwise I'm going to be like tripping over stuff and like flying everywhere. And that would yeah. like actually flying would be cool. Flying over my footstool into my television. <laughs> Not so cool. <laughs> Not so cool. Yeah. That's interesting. So I've got an LG WebOS Smart TV and mm-hmm. like... Plex is fine, right? You get the sensors for that. You know, as soon as you hit the play button, sensor changes playing. But when you go into something yep. like Netflix or any other app, right, the playing state doesn't change. Like, so you could, you know, start playing something on Netflix. You know, it doesn't say it's playing. It just says it's playing this app. Um, yeah. So I've just got an Amazon Fire TV. I'm hoping that that might, uh, you know, have a bit more granular data for that because that's the ultimate goal, right? Like mm-hmm. if I was to go into something, turn it on to Netflix, like, and the lights just no, right? The TV is actually playing, yeah. as opposed to just sitting on an idle state, because you know that's obviously yeah. a very different yeah. scenario there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, that must be very frustrating. One of the things yeah. I realized recently, which which hadn't occurred to me, is my TV is an Android TV, and somebody in the Home Assistant Discord was posting about how they were trying to get up, the, get their notifications set up, and I was like, hang on a minute, mm. can I do that? And I can. It turns out I can have notifications on my TV even when it's yeah. not like in TV mode. It's using one of the HDMI ports, and it pops up. So yeah. it now tells me like my air fryer is finished, or the washing machine's finished, or a tumble dryer is finished. But like, yeah. I think that that's one of the that's one of the very few perks of Android TV. I've yet to find another perk of Android TV. Um, it just seems that <laughs> it means that they're all sufficiently different. Um, yeah, and there, there doesn't seem to be a lot of commonality. But perhaps it's still a step up over the uh, LG WebOS TVs. Um, I have to say, I didn't consider the operating system of my TV. <laughs> yeah, when I when I was getting my TV, I was like, "That's it. I need to go through the Home Assistant, you know, compatibility list." And LG was on there. And one of the telling, telling features for me was the notifications. Yeah, because um, LG does the same thing, right? And you have a little icon in the corner. You know, dishwasher is done. Like perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no one ever listens to it. You know, the dishwasher will stay. <laughs> stacked for too long but that's that's on us not not home assistant unfortunately yeah, yeah it's the yeah, human the, failure the, the samsung <laughs> yeah, frame exactly. is kind of the same right where it's like that that's the one we have as our primary tv and it's like it, there's not a whole lot you can do in terms of because they they use their own like i don't know variant called tizen or tizen or something like that and mm. it's just, yeah it's just not like it's there, there's there's hacks plugins and stuff like that and i think there's a native one too i think the hacks when i have worked a little bit better but it's still kind of like it's not it's not perfect right there's no but which is unfortunate but it is what it is i guess yeah yeah have you tried using your samsung frame as a dashboard because i've been considering getting one for my bedroom i have like a picture in my bedroom which is about the size of the smallest samsung frame tv i don't anticipate yeah. doing a lot of tv watching in my bedroom but it would be really cool when i wake up in the morning for it to like show me an up-to-date dashboard of like what's going on with the world and things like that which you know that that that's very like to me that's really interesting and, and you know i know that yeah. you can send screenshots to it and have it display those Mm. and uh, there are people that have done that with home assistant but yeah i've i've yet to pull the trigger but i'm I'm curious if you've if you tried doing something like that i haven't but i have considered there's the new uh amazon echoes that kind of are like frame-esque right i don't know i don't know what they're called but uh where essentially they, they kind of mount kind of flush mount to the wall kind of thing. Um, and uh, I've thought about doing it with that because you can pull up a web browser, right, on on uh, like the Echo Show yeah. and stuff like that. I assume you can on this one too. I, I, I haven't played, but I don't have one. But uh, I, I have thought of doing something like that. Um, I don't, it, it's one of those things where I'm like, how much do I actually care to do that? Because it's like, at that point, I may yeah. I may just like, you know, grab, a, grab an iPad or something and stick that on the wall. 
it just yeah. might be easier to use than, than to set up all yeah. the stuff, right? About one of those um, Netgear mural canvas things, like the digital photo frames that you can, I think you can point like a, a URL of a playlist. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's an integration in Home Assistant that allows you to change it or refresh the images in that. Um, so if you could somehow upload a screenshot of whatever you want to display, then you don't need a TV um, in your bedroom. It would just be a, a screen that's a photo frame and away it goes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm probably going to go with the Magic Mirror. I recently bought, um, relatively recently bought a Waveshare Magic Mirror bundle. Um, so Magic Mirror, um, mm-hmm. I think it's Magic Mirror.builders. Um, mm-hmm. Like the idea is that you take like a Raspberry Pi and a screen and put some two-way glass over the top. So it's a mirror with all yep. of the like information sort of showing up in the corners, looking really smart and fancy. Um, and I've been wanting to do that for years, ever since I first saw it on whoever it was, his website, um, where he, he built like one, um, from scratch completely. Um, and then, you know, turned it into like an operating system and everything, which is pretty cool, but I was never going to get around to it. And I found this magic mirror, uh, like bundle from Waveshare and was like, okay, well, I'm just buying that. So I should probably just look at that and set that up instead yeah. um, and, and get all of the information into there. Because I think that's probably what I really need. I just, for some reason, really like the idea of the Samsung frame. I think possibly I was ill a couple of months ago and I spent like a day or two in bed and like I was watching stuff on my iPad and I just kind of didn't really want my iPad on the bed. Yeah. Um, so I, I think part of me is just like, just get a TV for the bedroom. Like the, the answer is you want a TV and you want a dashboard, but they don't have to be like on the same device. They could yeah. be on separate devices. Where are you going to next? Like, so you've obviously got the parents happening with their house. Mm-hmm. Have you, what are, what's your next automation frontier that you want to get into? Uh, definitely ESP Home. Um, that that is for me a big thing. I've got I bought ESPs ready to go and like started bookmarking things to to flash them with that is just out of the box. And then of course I'll be inevitably programming my own, um, especially after the. Um, Let's get loud. I think it was called event mm-hmm. um, yeah. from Home Assistant. Um, I'm very excited of just like getting you know things working via audio i already have some sonos speakers but i've yet to experiment with a text-to-speech because my most of my home audio is home pods and i i honestly don't think that's going to change but i do have a symphonisk frame in my hallway in a sonos room which migrates from the hallway to the bathroom and back so i could do text-to-speech on there that's pretty central which is definitely up for grabs um and i honestly hadn't really thought of the magic mirror until we were talking just now and then realized i should probably be doing that as well um but yeah then that like the the next like separate ish automation frontier is going to be grossy and looking at like inventorying like food and and meal planning and things like that Mm. and tying that into home assistant i have some of this set up already so um, my water jug filter needs replacing every 28 days and so home assistant knows when i replaced it and counts down the number of days until um you know it should be replaced and then um I actually have that set up with a weird combination of automations and stuff at the moment. I should probably just switch to using the, I think there's a new input a, a helper for countdowns or timeouts or something like that that I should probably use instead. Yeah. Um, so when I replace the filter, it updates Grossi and removes a filter from the inventory. And then, you know, we'll, it will get added to the list when I start running out of filters, which is quite cool. But I really want to tie that into a bunch of other things so that I know, you know, like when um, the, the robot vacuum reports that um, the bin needs emptying on it, that that, automatically then when the bin goes from needs emptying to does not need emptying we'll say hey you need to buy another bag um or just you know decrease the amount so that i have that because i think you know for me automation is about removing friction from my life with things and every so often it'll be like why am i like going and buying food right now like did i plan this week really really badly or is it just that i really don't want whatever it is that i had planned but i hadn't really (laughs) written down and stuff like that and you know, I, I I just want to kind of solve those that sort of problem, um, hopefully. And yeah, grocery is like another level. Oh yeah, yeah, it's kind of crazy. So I I don't know if you've seen. I've got a a blog post where I did the same thing, right? I've got um yeah uh, my dishwasher. As soon as it turns on, it will deduct that I've used a dishwashing tablet, so I know exactly how many dishwashing yeah. tablets I have in the house. Same with like the washing detergent against the washing machine. Um, yeah, I even had at one point um how many liters of milk I had in the house. I would, every time I'd have like a glass of milk or have one cereal, I'd push a button on the side of the fridge to say that, okay, I've used X amount of uh, mills from the bottle of milk. Um, 
I don't have any of that running anymore. It's just uh, it gets weights like the stuff that you can easily automate with time, you know, like, okay, um, every day deduct one from yeah. this or that. That's fine. But when it's the exactly. ad hoc stuff yeah. and it, it it comes out of sync very quickly, yeah. um, the yeah. if I was going to do it yeah. properly, I'd look at like some ASP32 weight sensors um, yeah. and try and do that. At least you like, that we can measure it. But Yeah, yeah like the Amazon Dash shelf, but like a DIY version of it. Um, yeah, exactly. the Dash shelf mm-hmm. exactly. is only available in America and for like businesses, mm-hmm. which is a shame because yeah. I love the idea of it. So I need to, I need yeah. to try and do that with ESP Home just because then it'll know like, hey, you're running low on Coke Zero and chocolate. Like this is fuel for life. Go, go stock up or something. And, yeah. yeah. Everything else, that's important. That's an emergency. It should make the order for you. <laughs> yes, yeah. If we had like DoorDash or something here, that would be pretty cool. I could do that. But as it is, right. I'm not going to pay Uber Eats like £10 <laughs> to deliver some chocolate and, and cookies and, and Coke Zero. I'll just pick it up on my way home next time. <laughs> All right. Well, Rosemary, thank you so much for joining us. Um, if people want to f- learn more about you know some of the stuff you're doing or where else can people find you yeah if people go to rosemaryorchard.com that's got links to podcasts and things i do all over the internet um as you've mentioned i have some other podcasts one is called automators which is automating things ios and mac os and web really there's also ios today which is all about ios and tv os and homepod os devices etc and then you know productivity wise i have nested folders um the podcast um or people can find me on twitter or in the home assistant discord or i'm always lurking in the forums i don't post in there much i'm just stealing from everybody else because there's so much good <laughs> stuff in there um but yeah yeah I'm, I'm i'm basically all over the internet um so yeah and it'll be great to hear from people i know i've run into some people in the home assistant discord who said that from automators they've heard about home assistant and given it a nice. try and that's why they're there and it's like oh it's, it's really nice to hear because you know this this community is so supportive of each other it's really wonderful to to find more people in it yeah yeah absolutely well i think uh i think that's a a wrap we'll leave links to all those podcasts and uh everything in the show notes but rose thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us appreciate it well thank you very much for having me it's been lots of fun and i'm gonna have to continue stealing all the ideas from you two and your (laughs) guests there's just so many great ones please do have a good day cheers cheers If you want to share your home assistant journey or come on as a guest, reach out to us at feedback at haspodcast.io. That's H-A-S-S podcast.io. The Home Assistant Podcast is hosted by Phil Hawthorne and myself, Rohan Karamandi. For links to topics we discussed today, check out our show notes on haspodcast.io. (laughs) 